All Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Hello, listeners. Welcome to our mini version of All Things Unexplained. I am CJ Derringer, and I am here with host Dr. Mounts. Hey, CJ. How's it going tonight? Hey. Hey, it's going well. So we are making this mini episode because there has been a phenomenon happening internationally getting some attention and uh, we would be remiss not to discuss it because as of yet the uh, mystery is unexplained so uh, a perfect thing for us to cover here on all things unexplained and um, Tim you actually brought this to my attention first how did you first hear about this monolith that was recently discovered in Utah so as you might expect, my email is inundated with unexplained news on a daily basis. So it just happened to creep across my email one day. Hey, unexplained monolith discovered in Utah. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, ever so often odd things like this creep up. And But I'm a huge 2001 A Space Odyssey fan. So it did kind of catch my attention a little extra with it being a monolith. And then as... I read into the story, you know, I just thought that it was actually super fascinating and it went from just a a an ordinary blurb of a weird story, which I get lots of those every day, right? And it has become a worldwide sensation as of now. Even before we went on the air, I noticed two new stories about new monoliths popping up in the world. Really? Eggs, yes, even within the last 24 hours. So it's exploding worldwide, I think, that has captured people's attention. And the biggest, the greatest thing I think about it is that it's just fun. It's a positive yes. thing. It's 2020. Hey, it's kind of a way to transition into a weird, wacky, fun 21. Speaking of weird and wacky, but not necessarily fun, would we also be remiss <laughs> if we didn't mention that it's just the two of us tonight, not not our third yes. co-host, Smitty Neves. I know. We miss you, Sni- Smitty. I almost called him Snitty. That might be a better <laughs> name, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was a little under the weather, so he couldn't join us for this. A re- reported case of anal glaucoma tonight. So <laughs> he was not able to be with us. But Smitty, we miss you. This one's for you. Yes, it is. Well, before we dive too deep into all of the conspiracy theories and what might be going on and its connection to 2001 A Space Odyssey, I'm going to give just a kind of a brief timeline of you know, what went down. So essentially back in November, this public safety team was in a helicopter in Utah 
and spotted this gleaming metal monolith in the middle of nowhere, um, not easily accessible to anybody by foot or car, and decided to get down closer and take a look. And as they got down, it looked to be about 11 to 12 feet tall, no explanation of how it got there, and it was in the ground. It was really stuck there. So they posted these videos and it became an overnight sensation and all of these people started trying to travel there to see it and then suddenly out of nowhere it was taken down, just gone. That has since been explained, some people did take credit for taking it down and there's video of that. But then just a few days later, maybe even the same day that it was taken down, another one popped up in Romania on November 26th. So about the same height, three-sided, made of the same metal, and no explanation for how it got there. It was actually placed on a protected archeological site. And based on descriptions, it was not exactly well done. <laughs> Apparently it was a uh, amateur metal worker that made it, but it only lasted for about four days. And to my knowledge, nobody has claimed taking that one down. Um, nobody knows how that one was removed. I could be wrong, but through my research, I didn't see where anybody um, government affiliated or anyone else had said that they took that one down. So that one mysteriously disappeared only for another one to pop up in Atascadero, California on December 3rd. Again, made sort of the same way, looked the same, about the same height, and uh, that one only lasted a day. My guess is for safety precautions because based on descriptions, it was very heavy and seemed like it could fall over with just a light push, so um, not exactly something that any city council member wants sitting on top of their hills in town. So. That one was taken down after a day. And you'll have to fill in the rest of the timeline because I did not know about the two new monoliths, though I did wonder if there would be another. Oh, of course there are. And did you get the one in Las Vegas? Nope. So apparently around December 3rd and December 4th, there has been a monolith pop up in Las Vegas. I don't think that comes as a big shocker that it could have something to do with a casino, nevertheless. It's there. I think it's on the Vegas Strip. But more intriguing than that, within the last 24 hours, a monolith has popped up on a nature preserve in the Netherlands. Oh and, my goodness. Yes, and I was able to find some pictures of it, and it's actually quite scenic, just kind of in a, just the middle of nowhere, a little body of water beside it. And they said that some hikers just randomly found it. It looked like it had been there for quite a while, actually, because ice had formed around it. Oh, wow. It apparently looked very heavy, and there it was, just embedded in the Netherlands. So that's That makes me wonder how many, how many are out there already that just haven't been found yet. I did wonder that. If there have been others out there and nobody's stumbled upon them yet, or it might be somebody like me, I might walk past something like that and be like, oh, that's interesting, and never make it some like international sensation. Oh, for sure. And this was in a nature reserve near Udahorn, a village in the province of Friesland. So I hope I said that correctly. I think you did not. So, probably. <laughs> Well, I know I'm going to nail these next next few here because the next one that's popped up in the last 24 hours is in Fayette County, West Virginia. So oh. I know I'm hitting the nail on the head there. 
they do not advise going to look for it. Apparently it is way out there. They even give you some advice on if you are going to hit the Wolf Creek Trail system where this monolith was discovered, that you want to bring somebody along with you <laughs> and <laughs> a detailed map of the area, put your phone in airplane mode. And for any of a, anybody out there who's seen the movie Wrong Turn, you'll know this is some good advice for exploring the wilds of West Virginia. That's just within the last 24 hours, CJ. Wow. So now we have to speculate. What, what's going on? What's your theory for, let's start with the Utah one. What's your theory there? Well, I tell you what, how about we hold off our speculation until after a little 2001 trivia? Okay, perfect. All right, so again, this is what drew, drew my fascination in, and plus kind of the world kind of thinks that this is somehow associated with 2001 A Space Odyssey. Have you seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, CJ? No, so I hope you're not expecting <laughs> me to answer these trivia questions. Are these just trivia questions you're throwing out to the listeners to kind of ponder? Yeah. That's right. Okay. So, well, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you give everybody <laughs> 10 trivia questions. I'm not going to reveal the answers. Then you and I will talk about our theories about the monoliths. We'll come back. I'll give everybody the answers to the trivia questions and plus a little additional trivia. I love the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's one of my favorite all-time movies. So I'm pretty excited for this, and I can't wait. All right, here we go. Here's 10 2001 A Space Odyssey trivia questions, I think, for a lot of our listeners. This will be pretty fun. I'm going to read the questions. We'll come back a little later and go over the answers. Number one, who directed 2001, A Space Odyssey? Number two, who wrote the screenplay for 2001? Number three, during the film's first sequence, what breakthrough does the Moon Watcher Ape Man make shortly after his encounter with the monolith? <laughs> Number four, how far ahead in time does 2001 jump after the first sequence of the eight men? Oh, interesting. Number five, what is the name of the spaceship that undertakes a mission to Jupiter? Number six, what is the name of the spaceship's onboard computer? Number seven, what is the name of the spaceship's Mission Commander. Number eight. How does the spaceship's computer learn of the crew's plan to deactivate it, if necessary? Number nine. What does the spaceship's computer suggest that the to the crew that is disconnecting him, the crew member? I won't say his name just yet. And number ten. What is this crew member's final transmission in the novel version of 2001? I won't say the crew member's name yet, but a lot of us, a lot of our listeners will know that. So there's 10 trivia questions. We'll revisit those after our monolith theory, CJ. My friends and I had never made a podcast before, and to be honest, we had no idea how to get started. That's when we decided to check out Anchor. 
If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain a couple of things. First of all, it's free. Second of all, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I got so sweaty during all of those. I I hate not knowing things, and I didn't know a single one of those answers. My heart was like beating. Like, please don't ask walt, walt. me to answer uh, these. <laughs> this, that's why you know if you go on Jeopardy, your final Jeopardy category will be 2001: A Space Odyssey. Well, I mean, after those questions, I clearly need to watch this movie. For sure. So, you know, going into this, the most intriguing of these monoliths was absolutely the Utah monolith for me. Although after you you talked a little bit about it, I have to say the the one in Romania is pretty intriguing too, simply because Romania, I mean, let's face it, a more mysterious place you could probably not find. (laughs) (laughs) So it's mysterious by nature, but this Utah thing is really interesting. And I've heard, and I'm actually a little dubious, a lot of people think that it, it's a tribute in some way by an artist to 2001 a space odyssey i have to Mm -hmm. say i'm a little dubious of that i could see where it could be paying homage to 2001 a space odyssey but i'll just throw a little geometry at you here so the monolith in 2001 a space odyssey was a black rectangular prism an obsidian black as space rectangular prism the Utah monolith was a shiny gleaming triangular prism so I have to ask myself if this really was a tribute to 2001 Space Odyssey why not just go ahead and make it a rectangular prism just like the movie why not just go ahead and make it black Right. You know, something that I failed to mention, and this is a huge part of the story, is that um, people were trying to figure out how long the monolith had been in Utah, and people were able to go back and look at Google, whatever it's called, Earth. world or Earth, thank you. <laughs> universe, Google Universe. Yeah, Google Universe. That it had been there, um, been placed there sometime between 2015 and 2016. So this thing stood there for a long time before anything, anybody, I'm not going to say noticed it because somebody might have noticed it before, but before it was brought to everybody else's attention, this thing has been standing there strong in the earth for four or five years. Which is just wild. And plus you're talking about rugged, extreme landscape here. Some of the most desolate uh, landscape on the face of the planet. Not an easy place to get to, not a safe place to get to especially by yourself i think that there is some credence that you know if it is people that put this monolith out there that it was probably at a minimum a crew of people it certainly was a crew of people who removed the monolith and let me tell you something i found fascinating the crew that removed the monolith i I don't know why but i just found what they were reported as saying to be really interesting so Let's see. One of the men who removed the monolith was reported to have said, 
This is why you don't leave things in the desert. I think they said trash. This is why you don't oh, leave trash in the desert. Oh, this is why you don't leave trash in the desert, right? And they also said, yeah. uh, what do they say? Leave no trace. So yes. it's very men in black esque, don't you think? I know. No, I don't. I think <laughs> that they were super no? showy. No, they were totally showy. They wanted this attention. They wanted to get famous about who they are and what they do. They posted removing it and the video to their you know, social media sites. They wanted this attention. I don't think it's men in black. I think that this for them was marketing. Well, I could see that. But it still brings I up the I think that of, whoever put it there yes. is much, much, much more fascinating and mysterious because they've taken no credit. They don't want credit. They wanted to give some people something to talk about. Of course, there is something to be said that if they do take credit, they could actually be prosecuted and end up in jail. <laughs> well, that's As true. it is illegal to put artwork on federal right. property. Now, there is a sculptor whose name was John McCracken, and this theory has been brought up. Have you heard this one? Is that, is that his real name, John McCracken? I probably said it wrong, but that's how it <laughs> looks to me. Okay. <laughs> that's Keep how it's Keep going about Mr. M- Mr. McCracken. Keep going. McCracken? I don't know. Forgive me. May he rest in peace. Um, so, his museum has given him credit for this sculpture. They have said that it was his. Um, However, there's a problem with that, and it's that he passed away in 2011, and this was placed there in 2015. But his son has since come forward and said that he had a conversation with his dad a long time ago, and he said that he wanted to leave mysterious pieces of singular art all around the world. So it is possible that he made the monolith and somebody else placed it there in his honor. I don't know. Oh, wow. You know, that does remind me of the, what what was the book called? The Message or something like that, where they hid these artifacts around the globe. And they were all hidden in, in national parks, I think, or state parks or something like that. And every so often somebody finds one of these and takes it in it's got like this mysterious stuff inside of it and they win a prize have you heard of this no oh i have to look it up so it was, it was really popular show on television about it and, and like i said one was apparently just discovered in california very interesting so it makes me wonder you know is this some sort of contest that we're just not in on yet the whole world is not in on it I mean that wouldn't that be great though I just uh, I am so sick of 2020 and all all of the negativity and to have this gleaming shining monolith to distract us all and give us something else to think about is a gift really yes and you know what I actually had a young fan today who offered up their own theory about the monolith would you like to hear it CJ I would love to hear it This is from Alyssa in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, who was kind enough to purchase some of my squatching books, children's books, today at a holiday market, and she wanted to record her theory about the monoliths. Here's Alyssa in Chapel Hill. I think it might be a distraction from getting home and like a scavenger hunt for the people that are finding it. And like, 
people are you're gonna see it and then when you sleep people are just gonna sail it and like put it on a boat and sail it to somewhere else and maybe it will pop up in the north pole next time i want to have the mind of a child i mean that's brilliant pop up in the North Pole. Why not? I want this thing to pop up in the North Pole on Christmas Eve and just make all of our unexplained dreams come true. It is brilliant. How appropriate for Christmas time would it be if this turns out to be the work of Santa Claus himself? That would be amazing. And what a great distraction for me. It actually is. So I think that's a brilliant answer by Alyssa. Yeah. What a sweet little girl. Thank you, Alyssa. That was fun. Yes. So any other theories about these, CJ, that you've got? You know, um, no, not about, not about the one in Utah. I do think that the other ones are all copycats. I think that, um, you know, but nobody's claiming to have done them, which is kind of cool in my opinion, that they're just putting them up there for people's enjoyment and entertainment. Sounds like the Las Vegas one might be, again, a marketing strategy to draw some attention, and it's working. Um, and, right. But I love it. I love, even if it's copycats, great. Good for them. But, you know, you told me a brilliant theory before we went on the air that you thought it that not the Utah one, but all of the others could be a group of copycats that were coordinating an effort to, when it's their turn, put their monolith up. They've already got them made or they already have instructions on how to make them. And then after a certain amount of time, take theirs down, next one goes up. Yeah, that was one of my theories. And I sort of distanced myself from it because I didn't think (laughs) that a new one had gone up. But now that I know that there is this other one, um, maybe that theory still holds true that these people who all know each other, maybe they all did some sort of art class in college years ago and have stayed connected or whatever it is. I've said, hey, let's make something of this. And they've all got one made and ready to go. And all right, Herb, it's your turn. Pop that sucker up. <laughs> go out on a night mission. I do think it takes multiple people, though. That one in a Tascadero, I think, said weighed 200 pounds. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And what would it take to infiltrate this society, I wonder? I know. And do they have room for new members? Yes. And Quarry Minds want to know. <laughs> and do you have an arc welder in your garage handy, CJ? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I could find one. Facebook Marketplace. You can get anything on there. Absolutely. But I would be curious for anybody listening. Shoot us a message. Send us a voice message. What are your theories? What are your thoughts on this uh, unexplained phenomenon that's happening globally? I did have a friend post on my Facebook timeline. Oh, that was so great. theory um, (laughs) that the monolith is here because of Bigfoot. Bigfoot is making these monoliths. That's a fantastic video. Yeah, putting them out there in the woods. So I don't know who made that video, but can we share that on our social media pages? Because it is yeah, quite so entertaining. I, I don't see why not. We'll give we'll grow, give credit where credit is due, and we'll okay. put it out there. That that actually brings up a good point. We should we should give share that video with our uh, insiders on the Comatose Tacos report. Yes, so, so we should. Yeah, so please subscribe to our newsletter and fo- be sure to follow us on 
whichever podcast platform you use and give us five stars or don't give us stars at all. And also follow us on our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter pages. Just look for us all things dash unexplained. That's right. CJ, you ready to find out some 2001 Space Odyssey trivia? Oh, am I ever? Yes. I'm a little, so I, I do feel like you're going to ruin the movie for me I if I do go and watch it. But at least I won't spoil any of 2010, the sequel. Oh, oh okay. Let me ask you this, though. Is there a book? Because you know me. I really prefer books to movies. So there is a book. The book is fantastic, and we'll get into that. Okay. All right, so number one, who directed 2001? CJ, you might take a stab at it. He was it's a pretty famous director, and he's not Steven Spielberg. But when was the movie made? I believe it came out in 1968. In the 60s, right? I have no, I couldn't name a single director from the 1960s. So the director of so. 2001 A Space Odyssey was one Stanley Kubrick. Oh, uh, you know what? I did read that yesterday. <laughs> yes. While 2001 is regarded as one of the greatest films ever made, with Steven Spielberg referring to it as his generation's Big Bang, Kubrick also directed The Shining, one of my favorite movies also, A Clockwork Orange, not one of my favorite movies, and Eyes Wide Shut, also not one of my favorite movies. <laughs> love The Shining. One thing you have to give Kubrick credit for is if you watch one of his movies, you're not going to see anything like you've seen before. Um, well, I can certainly say I haven't seen any of those before. <laughs> uh, well, then you have not seen anything like a Stanley Kubrick movie before. before. <laughs> I, I'm such a fraud. I don't deserve to host this show. <laughs> uh, you're, you're a perfect balancer to Sweetie and I, for sure. Number two. Who wrote the screenplay for 2001? One famous science fiction writer, science fiction futurist, science writer, inventor, undersea explorer, and television series host Arthur C. Clarke. And there he goes bragging again. You can pick up CJ. Clarke augmented his popularity in the 1980s as the host of television shows such as Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. Clearly a small influence on all things unexplained as well. Number three. During the film's first sequence, what breakthrough does the Moonwatcher Ape Man make shortly after his encounter with the monolith? So, the beginning, the first sequence of 2001 is just a sequence that will just stick in your head for a long time to come. It's all these ape men... All of a sudden, boom, just like in Utah, here's a weird monolith, right? Soon after they encounter the monolith, the Moon Watcher, which is just an ape man, he discovers how to use a bone as a weapon. So it's kind of like a foreboding turn of events here. Now, once Moon Watcher discovers how to use an antelope's bone, antelope's bone as a cudgel, he soon after kills another ape man. Our listeners may remember this first sequence from anything, but particularly for its lack of dialogue. So, CJ, as a matter of fact, the first 25 minutes of 2001 
contains zero dialogue. Oh, see, that would have been a better trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew I was going to throw it in. Not only that, but there's no dialogue for the final 23 minutes of wow. the film. In total, there are around 88 dialogue-free minutes in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Holy minutes. How many minutes are there in 2001, in A Space Odyssey? Let's see, at least 200. Over oh, 200. gosh. <laughs> I'm going to need several weeks to watch this. And then you got to watch 2010. Number four. How far ahead in time does 2001 jump after the first sequence of the eight men? So we got this long sequence, 25 minutes of eight men messing around with the monolith, learning how to use a weapon, and then boom, jump ahead in time. How long do you think it was, CJ? A thousand years. Not even close. Three million years into the oh. future. According to Arthur C. Clarke, the famous jump cut goes from the bone being used as a weapon to what was going to be established as an orbital nuclear platform, but the finished film actually does not make that fact clear. Number five, what is the name of the spaceship that undertakes a mission to Jupiter? It was the Discovery. Clark named the fictional spaceship after Captain Robert Scott's sailing vessel, the RSS Discovery, which the author would visit when it was moored in London. There was also one of NASA's space shuttle orbiters, which you may remember was also named Discovery. Number six. What is the name, and this is definitely one you need to remember, CJ. What is the name of the Discovery's onboard computer? How... No, close. Hal. Hal 9000. There's actually a guy I, I like it. I see every once in a while in, the, in a coffee shop, especially pre-COVID, but his name is Hal, and so I, I could easily remember it. But Hal 9000, technically it was an acronym for Heuristically Programmed Algorithmic Computer. But... Most people think Arthur C. Clarke parodied IBM with the name HAL. So H-A-L, each letter is one letter of IBM. Even though Clarke would not admit that. Number seven, what is the name of the Discovery's mission commander? One, David Bowman, which HAL usually referred to him as Dave. Bowman spent several months alone on the Discovery. This may be a little bit of spoiler territory for you, CJ. Eventually, the ship reached Jupiter orbit, where Bowman found a large monolith. Sound familiar? A little bit. And by large, I mean large. Okay, so I do have a question about this. All right. So in my mind, monoliths were always enormous. Something really, really large. I don't know why I never pictured something that's just 11 feet tall as a monolith but I did see where in 2001 A Space Odyssey he was calling all of these things monoliths so what came first the book or the term for things that aren't that large (laughs) that's a great question but the book was the screenplay was you know and the book were kind of at the exact same time as the making of the film and I will say in the film the first sequence with the eight men and all of a sudden you, this is Neanderthal times, right? And here's this monolith. It's interestingly enough about the same size as the Utah monolith. 
so about mm-hmm. 10 to 12 foot tall. But later on in the movie, Dave discovers a, a monolith of epic proportions floating okay. in space. By epic proportions, I mean that Dave drove his spacecraft into the monolith. Oh, wow. So, yes. He reported seeing the monolith to mission control. When it unexpectedly opened and Bowman entered, he uttered some famous last words, which I won't spoil here. Bowman passed through this stargate, a strange passageway that led him to what looked like a hotel room, of all things. He manifested as an older man and then as a decrepit elderly man before evolving into the star child which if you've seen the movie you'll famously remember this as a weird star baby (laughs) (laughs) number eight how does Hal learn of the crew's plan to deactivate him if necessary Hal reads their lips The film communicates Hal's ability to lip-read by quickly intercutting between the astronauts' mouths and Hal's red lens. So in the movie, Hal was just simply represented by a red lens. This was an addition that Kubrick made to Clark's screenplay that Clark did not like. He actually disagreed with this, but years later, Clark admitted that Kubrick had been right all along after learning that at the time, computers actually were being developed with the ability to read lips. Number nine, what does Hal suggest Dave do while Dave is disconnecting him? He suggests for Dave to take a stress pill and think things over. (laughs) (laughs) In Hal's cool, calming voice, he attempts to reassure Dave by telling him, let's see if I can do my Hal voice. Hal actually had a Canadian accent. Which was very neutral, apparently. Oh, and I learned something interesting about the voice actor for Hal. He was told to sit with his feet on pillows to make him calm and relax. I don't have pillows, but here it is. I know I've made some very poor decisions recently, Dave, but I can give you my complete assurance that my work will be back to normal. I've still got the greatest enthusiasm and confidence in the mission. And I want to help you. (laughs) (laughs) In my mind, it sounded just like you. It sounded just like you, actually, (laughs) from Mississippi. (laughs) Interestingly, Hal was so calm and collected that everything he said suddenly took on new, ominous meaning. It was kind of interesting how that tone, it was kind of interesting how that happened. Finally, number 10. What is David Bowman's final transmission? This is what I almost spoiled earlier in the novel version of 2001. He said, My God, it's full of stars. Mm. Bowman says this about the monolith in the Jupiter system as he enters it. The line is actually not in the 2001 movie, so I did not spoil that for you, but was recorded for use as a key plot point in the movie 2010. The also famous sequel. Okay. There is our 2001 A Space Odyssey, a tribute to the pop culture phenomenon that is the monolith trivia. Yes. Awesome. 
Well, I hope our listeners were able to get some of those. And um, you can make fun of me all you want on social media for not knowing any of them. I will. <laughs> I will be fine with that. <laughs> that's that's wise trivia. That is an invitation to our social media pages. Um, okay. Well, I'm excited for more to pop up, and maybe we'll have more to discuss in the next few days. Absolutely. I have a feeling these monoliths are going to be back. CJ, thanks for coming on and talking about the monoliths with me. Oh, thanks for joining me. And we hope that if anybody out there knows anything that we don't, you will send it our way. We thank you all for listening. And until next time, stay weird, stay unexplained, and keep giving us things to talk about. Check out allthings-unexplained.com. Bye, y'all. Bye. This has been All Things Unexplained.